In the past week, as many of my worst fears about Trump as president seemed to be coming true, and as I was studying our gospel story for this morning, I kept wondering, and we've talked about this before, but I kept wondering how astonishingly different our entire world would be if Donald Trump's father had somehow embraced him, Donald Trump, with a love that filled his heart and soul. If his father had been able to assure Donald to the depths of his spirit that he was loved no matter what, and that Donald always had a place in his life. He was a delight to his father. Think about how different literally our world would be right now if Donald Trump had grown up a a content human being, someone who was at peace in his own heart and at peace with the world. And I think we can extend that wondering about many other people throughout time and space. So much of history could have been unrecognizably different if certain people had known that they were deeply loved and that they didn't have to prove anything. Many of us, I think, can wonder the same thing. How much different might our own lives have been if we had been absolutely certain? And I know that all of our parents do their best. I know I, as a parent, do my best, but there's still, we're human beings, and there's still times when we doubt. Think about how different even our own lives would, would be if we had grown up from the beginning absolutely certain that we were loved and that we were completely secure in our parents' hearts. I think this has been a tremendously impactful variable in, in the world, especially in relationship between fathers and sons. And I say that for two reasons. One, because historically, frankly, mothers have been a lot better at expressing love to their children. And two, historically, men have had access to more destructive power to hurt others out of their own insecurity. I think there could have been far less destruction and pain in this world if more of us had known from the beginning that we are loved and delighted in. We can't change the past, but going forward, this morning's scripture reminds us of God's great desire that all people might hear the voice of the creator saying to each of us, you are my child, my beloved child. I delight in you. This story reminds us that in our own baptisms especially, we are all brought into the blessings of Jesus' baptism. 
Heaven is open to us. The Spirit alights on us and fills us. And the voice of God says to us, you are my child whom I love. I'm delighted with you. I know from my own personal experience that it can be difficult to to hear of Jesus's experience in this story and believe that it truly embraces us and it becomes our story also. And yet this story takes place at all and is told by Matthew in order that we might know that we experience this same reality for ourselves in Jesus. Notice how Jesus, uh, when Jesus comes to John, that John doesn't want to do it. John doesn't want to baptize Jesus. He says, or the scripture writes, but John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you're asking me to baptize you? John's baptism was an act of kind of preparation of a desire to receive the change of life that John was saying Jesus would bring. The Messiah, the coming one, the anointed one of God would bring a full change of life. And John's baptism was just sort of preparation for it. It was a way for people to acknowledge sort of in a, in a very visible, tangible way that they both needed God and wanted to God to save them. But Jesus didn't need to be saved by God. We've already seen in other stories in Matthew that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God come to earth to save all people. John the Baptist knew this, knew who Jesus was, and that Jesus was, in fact, the one that Isaiah had had this beautiful vision about centuries before. He envisioned God saying to the coming one, the anointed one, here is my servant whom I am uphold. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations, to the whole world. And it goes on, and I love that part where he says, I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people, a light for the Gentiles even, all peoples, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. John knows that this is who Jesus is, that Jesus is this one that they had been waiting for, And that's why John says, I need to be cleansed by you. But Jesus says, no, let this happen. You baptize me, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. I like what William Barclay, a Scottish pastor and, and writer, Uh, from last century, interpret. I like the way that he interprets why Jesus wants to share in John's baptism. Barclay writes that there was a unique national movement of repentance and searching for God. 
that John was leading. This was the very moment for which Jesus had been waiting. People were conscious of their sin and conscious of their need for God as never before. This was Jesus's opportunity. And in his baptism, he identified himself with the search of men and women for God. When Jesus went to be baptized, he was identifying himself with the people he came to save in the hour of their new consciousness of their own sin and of their search. Jesus identified himself with us in order that we might identify ourselves with him in what he experienced when he was baptized. And what he experienced is everything that we could ever wish for. As soon as he was baptized, he came up from the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him, and a voice from, say, from heaven saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Heaven is open. We don't have to fulfill some quest. We don't have to answer some riddle from a troll as we're crossing a bridge for the, the doors of heaven to be open. They are open. Dale Bruner, a contemporary writer, notes that practically put, baptism means that people can now pray. The heavens are no longer brass. The windows of heaven have been opened right over Jesus, the Christ. In addition, the Spirit of God descends like a dove and alights on us. The Spirit of God comes down to us and fills us with the actual life of Christ. Again, Bruner. In baptism, the Christian is not only given access to the Father in heaven in prayer, the Christian is also given God himself in the Son and God herself in the Dove Spirit. Not only are the doors of heaven opened above, the presence of heaven is delivered within. And finally, a voice from God our Father God our mother says, and I like the way the message translates this, you are my child, chosen and marked by love, delight of my life. All of this is assured for us in Jesus. As Peter proclaimed in that passage when he was finally realized that this was for all people, and he closes that little part by saying, All the prophets testified about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. We are incorporated into his very life and receive all those same benefits that we hear he receives in baptism. The sign that we in the church have embraced, that we have been embraced by God in love, is baptism. It's difficult at times to believe 
and to know in our hearts that heaven is open, that the Spirit of God is with us, that we are God's dearly loved children. And so God has given us a visible, tangible experience to reassure us of what is happening beyond our sight. Now, and it's, uh, it's not that these things are not open for those who have not been baptized. Because of Jesus, heaven is open to all. The Spirit has come to all on earth, and a voice from God speaks to all and says, you are my children. Baptism is a gift that seals that experience within us and can serve to remind and reassure us of these truths. This week, um, Andrea and I started watching Anne with an E on Netflix. It's the old Anne of Green Gables story um, in which Anne is a, an orphan who is brought to live with this elder sibling couple, um, Matthew and Marilla. And in this version, after a particularly turbulent uh, incident and this horrible aftermath, after that's all sort of been settled, the two siblings, Matthew and Marilla, ask Anne if she would like to take their family name for her own, Cuthbert. She wants to become Anne Cuthbert. They give her a pen and ink, and they're standing before the family Bible, and they say, if you are willing to be and want to be a part of our family, sign the family Bible. And so she just starts to shake with emotion and cry tears of joy, and she says, I've never belonged to anyone. I just thought, wow, what, a, what an amazing thing. And so she signs her name. And that actually becomes a funny little tangent. But she signs her name. She become, takes Cuthbert. She's a part of the family. But here's the thing. The love for Anne was already there. They had already embraced her. They had already brought her into the family her signing the family Bible was just a way to seal it and give an experience to, to let her know forever. And if she ever had any doubt, she could go and, and look at that spot in the family Bible again. This is a similar experience to what we believe happens in baptism, what it does for us. It seals the truth of all these things that are open to us. So for anyone who has not been baptized, but would like that experience, let me know. Uh, I would be, it would be a great privilege, and it is one of the most significant things that we do as a church, is to baptize. And for everyone who has been baptized... I want to give two different ways of remembering our identity as God's beloved children. The first is the same that I, I said with the kids. Um, 
that we can experience any time we, we come into this sanctuary and exit. I put that baptismal font back there years ago, and I make sure, in fact, actually, my mom this, did it this morning. She made sure there's water in it every week to remind us this is who we are. You can be reminded as you come in and reminded as you leave. Heaven is open. The Spirit of God is with us. And we are the beloved children of God. There's another way that we can be reminded of our identity as beloved children. And it might sound a little uh, unusual at first, but it is the experience of being rained on. I once heard a few years ago a speaker from a very different part of the country in which it didn't rain all that often who said, you folks out here in Seattle are so fortunate to have all this rain. And of course, we're all thinking, yeah, right. But she said, think about it. Every time you walk wet, I love the way she phrased that too. Every time you walk wet, you could be reminded that you are baptized. I had never thought of getting rained on in that way before. And yet, biblically, rain is often associated with God's provision of life for all creation. And so rain can easily be associated with the gift of being sealed in God's love through baptism. Think of how much better our world, even our own lives, would be if we had always known, we had always been absolutely certain that we were loved and delighted in by both our parents and God. In my better moments, I pray that Donald Trump might still know this truth for himself. I pray that God might break his spirit of hate and fear and then heal his spirit with such an assurance of God's love in Christ that he's able to have compassion for other people. As I said, it's in my better moments that that's how I pray for him. But for myself and for us and for all of you, I'm able to pray this far more often. I pray that we will all know this embrace of God's love. I pray that we will know the truth of which this morning story reminds us. Jesus identified with us in order that we might be identified with him in his baptism and receive the same blessings. Through Jesus for us, heaven is open. The Spirit of God alights on us and fills us. And the voice of God proclaims, you are my child, whom I love. I'm delighted in you. Thanks be to God.